I view us as a five-star hotel that just happens to have a really different outlook. Not looking over a big pool, but we're looking over a beautiful grassy patch. And it just so happens that, you know, on weekends, there's a lot of men running around on that. And, and well, ladies, not well. too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Behind the Clipboard. Event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the Insider Toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to go backstage with your hosts, Tamara Cook, Crystal Thane and Melissa Howie. Welcome to today's episode of In the Green Room. Today we've got Nadia Owen, Meetings and Special Events Sales Manager at Optus Stadium. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Um, so I've been at Optus Stadium for just over two years, two years and three months. And I was brought over to Perth for the stadium. Um, I used to live in Melbourne and I used to be at a different stadium over there. And it's not every day you get the privilege to be able to move to a different part of Australia and uh, be be a part of something brand new, given that stadiums are often legacies and they are huge buildings. Um... It yeah, was, that must have been so exciting. It was very exciting. It was uh, it was daunting naturally, but um, it was really exciting for for me at the age that I am uh, as a female in the business to be given the opportunity to start up a department from scratch uh, and really influence not only the culture of the business but uh, influence the product and how the product is viewed in a new city. So I love Perth. Um, Perth's become my home now, which is really exciting, and the stadium is my is my is my home as well. So, um, oh, I li- Perth loves you oh, right thanks. back. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. But what were you doing before you were here? You said you were at another stadium. What's your so sort of background, I, background to get such a large role for a startup <laughs> stadium? I used to be at Etihad Stadium, which is now called Marvel. Um, and I was there for a couple of years doing uh, a similar role, um, but in a business that had already been around for a long time. So, um, that came uh, with it a few like I was saying before, legacy issues and, you know, it's very hard to, you know, to be taken seriously sometimes when you're trying to uh, influence change and make sure that the guest experience and uh, the event experience is something that's worth mem- uh, worth remembering. So in a very competitive city like Melbourne, to have um, been able to really push that and uh, create something at a very big stadium that is often competing with the MCG at the best of times, uh, it was it was really rewarding to see that the work paid off and that's what got me noticed over here to be able to come over here and do it uh, from scratch. So before that, um, I actually grew up in Sydney, studied events uh, and hospitality, uh, used to work in five-star hotels, uh, moved across to the UK and was living over there for six years doing events in Scotland and Ireland and France and England and everywhere that I could possibly go. And then moved back to Australia and was doing a lot of mice work, so a lot of Asia Pacific and New Zealand. And then... Why did you come home? uh, It was a sad reason, actually. My dad was told he had a year to live, so I moved back for him. And then the year passed. I'm like, so you're cool, right? (laughs) Um, You seem to be good. Um, I don't like being back in Australia because, you know, when you're travelling, the last thing you want to do is come back to your hometown Mm -hmm. because you feel like the time that you've spent away was just a dream mm-hmm. uh, because you go back and everyone's life is exactly the same as when you left it. So it was a bit sad to come home and be like, I've had all these amazing experiences and 
none of you were there. So um, It must be a big contrast. I always find when I travel and I come back to Perth, it's just so orderly mm. and like a grid and flat and everything closes early and I'm just <laughs> frustrated. So, yeah, I mean, going from big cities. London. To, yeah, yeah, and then Melbourne and then Perth. Mm. You still you still like it though. I do, and I think um, you know people have told me what Perth was like five ten years ago, and how different it was, and how people would assume that I would have struggled back then, which is uh, you know I don't know. So there's a fairly good chance that I would have, but I think what is really exciting is that the stadium has been such a huge part of influencing the change in the city, and now there's a lot more of. Um, because of all the international acts that are coming through or the big sporting events, there's more, you know, picking up where the mining booms kind of left this city. The the stadium seems to have brought a lot of people in and there's a lot more things going on and there's a great restaurant scene which reminds me of Melbourne. So it is, it is an exciting city and I think um, as somebody, when you grow up in the East Coast you just don't even think about Perth. Um, and I don't mean that in a rude way. It's just you don't. You're so focused on Asia Pacific or competing against Melbourne or competing yeah. against Canberra or whatever. And then to now live here and to live and breathe this city, and yes, it's got its frustrations with, you know, 11 a.m. opening times on Sundays for Coles and Woolies. <laughs> I that felt is a that pain. this morning. That doesn't work for me. It's the worst. <laughs> but I think... This city is Australia's best kept secret and I think it's so exciting to be in this city and just to almost, I can now smugly look at very congested cities like Sydney and Melbourne and be like, you're not all that you cracked up to be. There's the best beaches here and I only have to drive 15 minutes away to get them. And through no traffic. Through zero <laughs> traffic. Um, and then you drive 15 minutes the other way and you're in the second oldest wine region in Australia and that's exciting. And it it's as, as a person who is in sales, you know, it's so exciting to be able to talk about this city and genuinely be passionate about it. So um, I, don't, I don't miss Melbourne and I don't miss Sydney. Um, you know, I miss some things about them and certainly it's the, the people connections that you, that you miss after being away for so long, but also that's life. Yeah. Um, you can't be restrained by just wanting to stay in the same city the whole time. You've got to go where the opportunities are and the opportunities are here. I was talking to my friend this morning who's in LA at the moment and she, she's having a bit of remorse about living in Perth. She's like, oh, there's all these things, you know, she's at, um, I'm a member of Mellow House, which is a, a club in the city in Perth. They've got all these reciprocal clubs and she went to the reciprocal club in LA and Lady Gaga's there. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> As you she, do. Who do you see at Mellow House? The on that Net same Netflix crew hang out there. <laughs> I know. God. And so she was like, oh, I just, you know. What what can we do? What can we bring back to Perth to just give it more star power? Or yeah, it's um, and the stadium's definitely one of those things, which is great. Mm. I love one of my favourite things though is asking people why they love Perth when they're not born here, mm. because I love getting that kind of outsider perspective to remind us why we are so lucky to live here. Mm. I think so. um, it's the beaches, it's the lifestyle. I've never I've never worked so hard in my life than since I moved here, to to have been living in demountables when we were still building the stadium and when it rained on the odd occasion that it rained in Perth, you know, the flooding and um, you are literally spending hours and hours and, you know, there'd be 20-hour days when we're all in the dongers and that's, that's – I have some very, very strong rewarding memories from that time. But when I did take a day 
or even just a few hours and I drove to Cot Beach or even where I walk my dog, which is uh, my favourite beach in all of Perth so far, just because I haven't been to all of the beaches <laughs> yet. Um, you just feel the weight of the world gets lifted off your shoulders and that's that's one of the greatest things about the city is just the lifestyle that you can have here. You can work, work, work and then you take five seconds for yourself and you're like, that's the equivalent of going to a day spa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cheaper, obviously. It's free. <laughs> the great outdoors. The great outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I what it. people from Perth don't realise what they have until they've like gone to a London and mm. like you're so enclosed all the time, you're always inside, mm. everyone's go, go, go. Because when I travelled, that's one thing I missed is like I could just get up and like go for a little walk to the yeah. park or go to the beach really close. Whereas, you know, the big cities have their advantages. We have stuff that they don't have. Absolutely. How's it going with infrastructure getting to the stadium with public transport? Public transport is great when there's a major event. Cannot fault it. And I think that's been a real, it's been a very good communication piece from the government in the lead up to the opening when they were saying, leave the car at home, let's be more like in Melbourne and just catch public transport everywhere. Because as I've been told, public transport was pretty average prior Mm -hmm. to that. So everyone is very heavily dependent on their cars in this city. Um, But I think people have gotten used to it now and... The, you know, the amount of people that are catching the trains and the buses and the feedback we get is amazing. People are like, I just left. I got on a bus. I was home. <laughs> that's how it works. That's, 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 I mean, that's bus 101 yeah. to me. But it's the seamlessness of the public transport service that is working really well for major events. Where we struggle, however, is the fact that there is no public transport to the stadium on non-event days, yeah. which is a real um, – it's quite debilitating for my side of the business, but – we're hoping one day that there will be some change. So that's non-major event days. Correct. So anytime anyone wants to have an event there, a private event, I should say. Yeah. yeah so that's the struggle. That's the struggle. Uh, unless they're having it on weekends because there is a limited train service now to the stadium on weekends. But there's no buses unless you want to get the tourist bus, the big red bus, <laughs> um, which isn't really – if I was in high heels and a frock, no. I probably wouldn't <laughs> want to be getting on that bus. It's a different no. kind of experience. Yeah, maybe. look, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been on that, have you? Me no. Neither. The double-decker. <laughs> I don't do yeah. buses. <laughs> <laughs> See, because you're Perth. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Through and through. No, we'll do a train or like a the underground, the tube. Mm. No buses. I think we should get some trams. Trams would make me happy. Mm. Like trams. I think there should be, this is a beautiful river city, so why not engage with the river more? I agree. Because the water taxi system needs should, to It should happen. You two should make it happen, yeah. Mel. Mel Nutty, you're up. <laughs> Uber boats. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uber gondolas. So off air, we were actually talking about Nadia's shoes and her that she's wearing sneakers and we all joked, oh, you must live in sneakers. But actually, tell us about a day in the life of Nadia and oh. the footwear because Optus Stadium is massive. Optus Stadium is massive um, and I I love a heel. I know it's it's a gender stereotype, but I love a good heel. And You'd do well in Japan. Oh. They love their women wearing heels over there. They're this all about true. binding footwear. And also you'd be very tall. Yeah, I would. <laughs> and they get excited about hair. the blonde hair. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I I rush out in the stadium in heels 90% of the time. That is impressive because we've wow. all done the stadium tour mm. at one time or another. And mm. I made sure I wore sneakers because I'm like, it's really far. Mm. I always, when I'm sending um, site inspection calendar requests to clients, and I've made my team do this as well, we've got a template and it says we recommend you wear flat shoes because there is often a lot of walking. And when some women make the mistake and they're just there, you know, just, oh, my God, mm-hmm. these aren't my walking heels. Yeah, and stadium to me, like even without having been there, mm. indicates big. large. It is, <laughs> it is quite quite a beast yeah. of a venue. Um, and I do get 
people taking the mick out of me for always being in heels. I feel comfortable. You're comfortable. My, yeah. Do you They're have a good always car, right? comfortable. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I'm always looking. Um, <laughs> no, it's just what I've always done. It's always all about being what I've done. Um, and you've got the shoes that you know you can run around in, as you guys would as well. Um, but I think, yep, it's all about thick heel now. Mm. You know, I'm over 30, so thick heel all the way. Amen, um, sister. Back mm. support's important. It is true. <laughs> and I have a pair of slippers underneath my desk as well. So a lot of the time I'll get back to my desk after I love it. my sprints and then... The sneaky slipper. The sneaky slipper. I'm always looking for slipper sponsors as well. Ugh, <laughs> um, so. if you're listening. Yeah. I just really want someone to invent... I'm willing to pay like top dollar, just a comfortable but stylish heel because I feel like you're kind of offsetting one or the other. If they're comfortable, they're not super stylish. Mm. And if they're stylish, they're so uncomfortable. Mm. So if anyone's got any ideas, we're interested. Mm. I'm loving my stri- stripper heels. What? <laughs> my stripper heels. You know the clear, clear plastic Are they ones? comfortable? Yeah, they're, they're comfy. Because okay. they've got a thick heel on them. And you're strapped in pretty tight. You are. For when you go upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, yeah, please. It's Tam's other side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a lot of side hustles. <laughs> So what's the most memorable event you've worked on, Nadia? Since the stadium, um, I've probably got a few. In fact, I've got a lot because we're close to doing our 600th function since we opened. Wow. That's very exciting for us. And you've been open how long? 18 months. That's incredible. Mm. Um, So I'll always remember the first couple of big functions that we did in February last year when we opened. Uh, We did after... Only having done a couple of small test events, we did an 800-person function for the Sports Star Awards, um, and that was a televised event, um, and no no room for error at the best of times, obviously, and you can't redo an event anyway, as you ladies know, but, um, you know, with it being filmed, there was additional pressure, and I remember when I sold it, and then the team were just like, are you kidding me? That's what you want us to start with. I'm like, well, you know, baptism of fire. If you can't do that. <laughs> Aim high. Yeah, Aim high. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'll always remember that. That was a great, great event. Um, and the client was really happy. And then the other one uh, would have been the Qantas Tourism Awards, which we also did in February. So that was a similar number of guests. And for us, it was uh, all of the industry, tourism industry from across Australia that had flown over to Perth for this dinner and awards night. And to see people's reactions and it's still, it gets me every day when I see people walking into the stadium, whether it's for a visit with me or for an actual function and you just see their faces and whether you're into sport or not, the stadium is a beautiful thing and to see the infrastructure lit up at night uh, or just to see the the design and the detail and the design during the day, people are just like, wow. And that was what we got in spades on, on that Qantas Tourism Awards because, you know, Perth, again, from an East Coast perspective, is a city just like, eh, okay, whatever. And then for <laughs> the, the best stadium in Australia to have been built in the city, it was a big sort of, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. This is what we've got. <laughs> what I really love about Optus Stadium, it's only been open for 18 months, mm. but it just feels like it's been there for ages because now it's kind of the iconic photo people use when they're showing Perth, like all the drone footage and photos of, of Optus Stadium in the background of the bridge, mm. whereas it used to be the more like CBD kind yep. of landscape. Yeah. yeah, it's still. I love driving back along Graham Farmer at night. The bridge is lit up. It looks beautiful. I nearly, I nearly crash my car every night <laughs> that I'm driving home, and I, I see it every day to see when the Madagascar Bridge is lit up, uh, when we're lit up. Um, I don't know if you guys saw a few Saturday nights ago. We did a rainbow 
um, at night, which was uh, for Pride themed Pride. function. Yeah. And I was driving home at 11 p.m. and I nearly got, like, got oh, off the wow. road. Yeah, I'm like, she's so pretty. <laughs> so, uh, if you're, so you have full control over the bridge lights? We don't. No, no, no. So <laughs> Tam's like, wait. Yeah, yeah, like, do you have a key? Yeah. <laughs> I wish. No, um, main roads control the bridge lining. Um, okay, so, so you just say we've got an event. And it's this. And they don't always do it. So um, they'll light up for charity, um, for all the sporting events. So for Manchester United next weekend, they'll be red because we're red. Uh, any West Coast Eagles games, naturally, they're the same colours as us. I love last night when it had the purple and the blue and Yeah, yellow. almost like a fight at the top of the bridge. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, but no, they, they get inundated with requests, as, as do we. So there's now a form on their website. So we, we also... Sometimes just tell our clients, fill out the form. And how early do you have to submit the form to get the lighting? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, am I allowed to say it's government, so it doesn't often get done quickly? No, we're so picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. Wink, wink. We're realist here. Yeah. Realist. Yeah. So yeah. as far out as possible. <laughs> yeah, give them notice. Yeah. Um, because they, I don't think they realised just how many requests they were going to get for the colouring of the bridge. Yeah. Mm. Which is surprising because I'm like, that's so novel. Everyone mm. should be doing it. Mm. Email the government now. Yeah, <laughs> just like write to your local council administrator. <laughs> what colour would I do it? Well, what colours, like what are the colour choices? It's RGB, so you can do oh. whatever colour you like. Mm. Game changer. Corporate colours. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I like it. So for a big event like a concert or another kind of tour, how long does bumping take? That's what I think event people would love to know, like just fly on the wall, mm. getting a big stadium concert in, how long does that take? Depends on the concert. Um, generally a week. You know, we get the stadium blocked out uh, and then you have to basically go from ground up. So you imagine the stadium is always a grassy green. Um, They have to start laying the flooring. um, But the trick with the stadium is you don't want to lay the flooring too early because you don't want the grass to die a very quick death because, again, we're wanting to not replace the turf uh, once the build is over because most likely in concert season we're going to have a sporting event coming up shortly afterwards uh, and grass is not the cheapest uh, asset to replace. So for us, uh, concerts have traditionally been on the western end of the stadium which is closer to the water. Uh, so they'll put down a heavier flooring and then they start building the stage. So the steel build takes a couple of days. Uh, and again, it all depends on the the size of the stage and the spectacle of it. So um, somebody like Ed Sheeran, his build wasn't huge compared to somebody like Taylor Swift. Uh, and then if any of you saw what you two did about five years ago when they were last in Australia, they did that big yeah, floor and that was... That? It was a huge, huge build. Yeah, that was amazing. That took a long time. And we had that, that was before my time at Eddie Had, but we had that there. And Eddie Had has a roof that closes and that the roof couldn't close because wow. the, the, the frame went above the, the roof line. So everyone was like, fingers crossed, there's no <laughs> rain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's scary in Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> it's always a high risk. risk. Mm. Yeah. So how many, I guess, departments within Opera Stadium, if something's being bumped in, how many people are involved? Uh, well, uh, concert builds, so the promoters and the, the builders, they all come there, they're through the promoter. So yep. there's a there's a circus of people that are built in purely to do the rigging and the building and everything. So our team's not actually physically involved with that. Our turf management team are quite involved with it because of the laying of the turf protection. Um, and then it's very much our event and operations team, so the major events team control the stadium throughout that and there's obviously a big security protocol and it always again depends on the artist um and 
Sadly, despite the fact that everyone knows what the stages look like because you have one concert, say, in Arizona and one person films it and then it goes global on YouTube or whatever and then everyone's you know knows what to expect but we still and every stadium has to have a very secretive nobody's allowed to see anything until opening night. I I always think about um, when they're touring around the world how just the logistics logistics of taking that enormous stage Mm. planes and trucks and wherever they're going. Some artists travel with two stages um, so two big set builds Um, to allow them to be in cities for longer but then they can send so a lot of people will come to Perth first but then they might send their secondary stage to Adelaide which might be the next city and start building that while they're still building us and it's expensive yeah yeah I wondered how they could go because yeah it's either either like Perth last or Perth first for the most international yeah because you're on the way to either east coast on the way to Asia Mm. so for Taylor Swift for instance she had um, I can't remember but 30 odd shipping containers uh, of material for um, her tour, but some of the ones that came to us were for the additional cities. So we were oh. literally the dumping zone and then it moved on to the next city. Where do you put all that I was going to say, where do you put all that? Um, the Northern Oval, which is the, the green patch of grass between oh, yep. the stadium and Graham Farmer Freeway. So uh, that, that becomes yep. a boneyard for all of those types I remember of seeing all the trucks walking past as I was going in yeah. to that one. Yeah. To Taylor Swift. Yeah, I didn't know you were a Swifty. Yeah. We got some... Uh, <laughs> Gratis tickets through work. Oh, you went too? No. Oh. Shit, no. Crystal, <laughs> Crystal refused to go, but I took my sister and it was sweet. It was a great you show. I love concerts. I don't think you have to even like the music. I can really just appreciate the production value of yeah. stadium tours and it's something that we haven't seen in Perth that often. Yeah. So I went to Ed, Ed Sheeran, loved that, but it wasn't really a production spectacle. And Ed's not like a production kind of artist. No, he's no. Like he doesn't guitar need to be. No, he's guy. so talented. He was yeah. one guy on stage yeah. with a foot mixer. Mm. Yeah, Taylor was amazing because because of the production value. Yeah, it was so cool to see in Perth. Someone mm. like Beyonce would be amazing in a stadium too. Oh uh, yeah, anyone that does lots of stuff. Yeah, Pink. Pink. Yeah. Pink loves an arena though. She yeah. loves she, she loves, loves hanging off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Although Taylor managed to, she did her fly on shuffle. cables. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't as fast as Pink goes, but <laughs> <laughs> lift your game, Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have another beef with Taylor. She'll write a song about us. Yeah. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so what sort of innovative things are event managers doing at the stadium? Um, I think I think for my team, um, it's well, it's, it's probably not restricted just to event managers. There's a lot of really cool innovations happening in the stadium to do with something that's not sexy but waste management. Ooh, um it I is know. sexy. Calm down. We love waste management. <laughs> well, like waste management. No, I was actually interested in your turf management team as well. <laughs> Me too. We're all about yeah, come to my house. Yeah. Sustainability. <laughs> yeah. Just be way lawnmower. Um yeah, the the waste management is a huge part of um what we're doing. Uh, I think over eighty five percent of waste is not sent to um Landfill. That's which awesome. Is huge. That's so good. And that's something that has been a focal point for um, one department since before we opened to make sure that even though we're, the stadium is sitting on landfill uh, from many, many years of just people dumping stuff over there, it's, um, you know, we're very conscious of it. It's a buzzword at the moment to be sustainable, um, but it's the right thing to do. So, Absolutely. Um, recycling's huge. Um, you know, we on the odd occasion that it rains, which is obviously every day for the last month, uh, <laughs> we harness the rain water that's trapped in the roof and then we, we actually have that go down and that's part of the, the watering system. That's super so, clever. Yeah. Um, 
And that's something that a lot of stadiums do. I mean, we did that at Etihad as well. The the rainwater was harvested and that would help flush the toilets because it rains a lot more often. So there was a lot more water to, to play with. Um, Terrific. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're a technology stadium. So whether we are clever enough or not, we we have to be quite tech focused and help clients really think about innovation and how they can use technology to make their events better. Do you have a lot of people, I remember when they were researching on what to put in to the stadium, I used to work at the Dockers and mm. the Dockers team I know um, had a bit of a say in it and they did a bit of flying around the world and they went to, I think it was um, oh, some football club in the States, I can't remember what name it was, but they they went into the rooms and then they their input was what came out of what's the room down the bottom with the coach the locker oh, the room locker the room. locker room yeah so their input that they got is Dallas Rangers or something yeah. like that yeah um do you know about that yeah yeah so yeah. do you now have people that was the longest way I could get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning do you now have people coming to Optus Stadium and checking out what you've got for their builds absolutely how often does that happen? Well, there's not new stadiums building every day, sadly. <laughs> what? I uh, know. Um, but, um, you know, Marvel is going through with the, with the name change from Eddie Had to Marvel. Um, the AFL who own that stadium are wanting to do some renovations and make sure that the, the basically that we're not the best stadium anymore. <laughs> of course. Um, but that will take time. East Coast can't <laughs> let the West Coast they have the best stadium. No. But, mm. um, yeah, we've had loads of people come over from the East Coast to walk through the facility and um, you know I've taken some people from uh, I won't actually mention the name of the stadium but they were just like mm. <laughs> yours is better than ours Damn I'm it. Like, that's right you better believe it and when we um, you know when I went on holidays last year to Canada I got to check out a couple of stadiums oh, while cool. I was over there and um, we've had people from America and you know with Manchester United we had quite a few of the staff from different departments come over from England and wander through and you know everyone everyone's you can see them processing and going okay we don't have that that would be really cool and vice versa and that was all part of the design build as well the architects flew around the world and looked at stadiums hey what works in your stadium what doesn't okay great we're not going to do what doesn't work but we will engage with the items that do work so yeah. you've you. got a beautiful build now that um, is super innovative and very fan centric which it has to be these days can you tell us a little bit about the spaces the different spaces that you can book Mm. Uh, there's actually about 20 function rooms there Um, and as you know from doing a walkthrough with me um, I don't do all of those on a standard walkthrough because people would just be exhausted and (laughs) you wouldn't have any shoes left on your feet (laughs) Um, so the key spaces for, for us are the ballroom. So it's, uh, 2,200 square meters. It's got ceiling to floor windows, six meter height, looking out across the river, uh, towards the city. It is stunning. It is so well built. Um, it's AV's dream space really, because there's no bounce, there's no echo. There's, even though there's loads of glass, like it's just been so, I don't understand the intricacies of the physics by any means. It's magic. It's magic. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Click my fingers and the magic appears. Um, you know, it splits into three smaller spaces. So we've got people, people love it when they come through because there's no ballroom of the same size in the city that has that view or has any view really. Um, and that's really nice for guests to be able to come through and see the city from a different perspective because so often people are just in the CBD or they're at a different property in a big black room so that's one of my favorite spaces and it's so easy to transform um and it's got you know little things in it like three kitchens and three bars and 
bathrooms at either end and it's just nicely done, you know, perfect for rigging. You can theme the crap out of it and it looks different every other day. My can you hang, crap. Can you <laughs> hang, um, theme the crap out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you hang people from ceilings uh, up to stadium? Technically you can, oh. but we actually don't allow it. So because there was, I know, um, you know, you never say never. Um, we we work with PAV. PAV are our fantastic, yeah, they're a fantastic AV company that are partnered with us. And when there was an incident at a different property last year, it was a, you know, unanimous rule that we don't want people hanging from upside down to potentially injure themselves. So... Um, we've got other ways of making people suspend, um, which you would have seen at the, uh, the venue showcase we did last year. Um, but one day, maybe, mm. no. Bring it back. Bring it back. I, I think so. One venue yeah. to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> other spaces that we've got are, uh, we've got four rooftop venues. Um, so one at each compass point. Um, the Western one, which is the Skyview Lounge, is everyone's favourite because it's got a beautiful outdoor balcony and it's perfect for sundowners, which is a word I'd never heard of till I moved here. Really? Really? Yep. Yeah, huh. because on the East Coast, there the is sun, no sun. Yeah. Oh, the sun yeah. doesn't shine the moon there. Rise. <laughs> the, the sun sets over the land. It's not as exciting. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we also have the locker room, which you touched on before, Tam, which is, you know, very much, uh, you know, it's got a huge character to it as a room. You feel like you're in a dugout and like you are in an American football stadium. And that allows you to look through into the warm-up facilities for the teams. It allows you to walk out onto the private balcony, which is at pitch level. And on a game day, people can watch sport from right next to where the interchange benches are. And that is a unique experience that you can't get anywhere else in Australia. Uh, and then as a function space, it's incredibly versatile because we can do small events, we can do massive cocktail parties in there, and people have access to the, to the pitch from there, which is, you know, people love it. What, what, how, how did they get to that point where you could have a function space? Stop. I know I'm so eloquent today. <laughs> this is why I edit the show. <laughs> what, what, how won't be in it. Um, what gave Optus Stadium the ability to provide a function space right next to the dugouts that had never been done before? Why, why wouldn't other venues have done that before? Was it security risk or, because every time I'm there, I feel like, wow, this is really you, are, you could reach out and touch a player. Mm. It's very, very cool. You feel so close. Oh, Mel's eyes just lit up. <laughs> I know. You can smell the liniment. It's like oh, you, cool. Right you can there. smell their little liniment oil, mm-hmm. muscle rub. It's really um, exciting. Next game, I'm free. Just saying. <laughs> I think we have security to stop people like you getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> you watch on TV. Someone's tackling Mel to the floor. Like enough <laughs> face recognition. <laughs> as soon as she walks in, meh, meh, meh. Don't let her in. Oh no. <laughs> But I think it, you know, that was such an innovative way of doing a function space, having mm. it so close. Mm. How do they get around that security? Uh, s- security has to be taken very seriously and we've got a huge security overlay for every event. So any, you know, those the, the, that function room does access through to the player facilities. So, um, you know, it's not just, it's not generally going to be Joe Public who gets down there. Um, but Sorry, Mel. or Jane Public as it were then (laughs) Um, but I think what it comes down to is with builds of any new building you have to think about what the experience is for people when they're coming into it and with new stadiums it's the the competition for a stadium anywhere around the world is amazing you know Fox Sports or whatever Uh, you can watch TV and watch a game from home and you could potentially arguably say that you've got better better seating 
you've got better insight on what happens during the game. You've got all the live replays. If you miss it when it's live, you've literally missed it. So you have to be able to give something worth coming for. And the experiences that the stadium uh, here in Perth has is incredibly unique function spaces like the locker room to give you that access and to get to get you almost behind the scenes and get you within high five range of your favorite player and that's that's what gets people excited so you have to balance that with obviously security um and you know I don't think we've had any major incidents you know we've had a couple of people who opening game jumped over the, the partition and <laughs> ran onto the field but that's a baptism of fire <laughs> for any that's venue that's kind of standard for a stadium, any stadium there's always a couple there's always one yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That is what makes it really, really cool. Like it puts it at the pinnacle of mm. um, stadiums and also bringing people to Perth because Perth generally is a safe city. Like mm. In general, we don't go too big and wow and dangerous. Too laid back. Yeah, so I love that about our stadium. It's mm. exciting. Mm. We've got a function room as well, which is called the coaches room and that annexes the two coaches boxes for West Coast and Frio. And, you know, again, for people who are in that room to be so close to that behind the scenes, you know, everyone knows what, you know, what it's like to watch Josh Kennedy or Nat Fife run out onto the field of play, but to be next to and be, to be able to look into... And read lips. Yeah, I, I personally can't do that to save my <laughs> life, but I would dare say there are some people who do that. But the, the original design of that room, um, which Mike'd, is, isn't it? It is mic'd yeah. and you can actually hear the audio in the room. So the original design intent was that people forfeited their mobile phones on the way in because that way they couldn't hear what was happening and they couldn't, you know, do a bet or something about what was going to happen. So that hasn't been activated yet, and I, I believe it's because there's far too many expletives during, I can the, imagine. <laughs> during the game that ruins I a good imagine. meal. But um, you know, I've been in that room; it's awesome it's when you're right there, yeah. and you just you, you kind of want to look, but you I don't want to look. You don't want to look if they're looking at you, and then if they're looking at you, you think, "Why are you looking at the game?" <laughs> yeah. I feel and like you just give them thumbs up, being like, "You're doing a good job." <laughs> like the energy from that room, but also like, am I going to get told off and like made to run laps if I like <laughs> stare at the coach's box too much? <laughs> No, but that's a great idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good suggestion. <laughs> Just building on what you were saying about people can have a better experience at home sitting on the couch. I want to know, what do you think the advantages of doing an event at the stadium are over any other venue in Perth? From a function standpoint? From a function yeah. standpoint. I think what we've got is a really um, different product. And I think for everyone who wanted to come in and certainly in the first six months we were a brand new product the the stadium's run by uh the company that i work for which is a company called venues live which operates anz stadium and bankwest stadium in sydney but we're an unknown operator over here and perth is very much all about the relationships that you have and um for people i think they wanted to dip their toe in the water with us because it was nice to have a, a new a new opportunity, a new space to play with. And certainly for the bigger functions, they've been quite hamstrung in where they can go for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what we offer is a really – it comes down to the unique experiences. That's what we offer on game day and that's that fans' first commitment. And then for us, it's the guest experience. And that's what I do on a daily basis. You know, I'll walk through the stadium with my staff and we'll look at, you know, access points and signage and how we can – improve it or how we can make it a little bit better for a different event or, or, you know, how we can really create something magical. And I say this to clients all the time. I say, if you want to have a really humdrum conference and, you know, not excite people, 
go to a hotel or go to a function centre in you know the city or whatever. But if you're looking at creating magic, if you're looking at leaving a lasting impression in a world where everyone is is People have – you guys have invitations to go to events all the time. So people are more discerning with where they spend their time these days and you have to give them a good reason about why they want to come out to your event on that particular day or that particular night. So I think what we offer is that little bit extra. Um, our food is not what people expect. That's probably the biggest feedback that I get is people come along to our functions and they 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 think for, for better or worse, mostly worse, <laughs> that um, we only serve – hot chips and sausage rolls and pies, um, which we can do. But we have an amazing culinary team and we're winning a lot of awards for the quality of the food and people are walking away from the functions going, that was unexpected. And that's why with the venue showcase that we did last year, one of the hashtags that we rolled out was the unexpected. And we want people to expect that we're going to do something a little bit different. And um, I also think that what I wanted to do, well, I know that I, what I wanted to do was really just shock people and flip what a normal venue showcase is like because you can walk into a ballroom and see it set up with flowers and cutlery and glassware and be like oh yes that is what a wedding would look like in here <laughs> but oh, people, that's what chairs look like oh, I see, yeah, <laughs> you have a tiffany chair i've never seen that before <laughs> groundbreaking yes um but for you know the people and the the invitations that were going out were for the people who know what those things look like so I wanted to flip that. I wanted to do something different. And I also wanted it to be a little bit different to potentially what is created over here. I think even the people that run companies and event management agencies here in Perth, I wanted them to be surprised. I didn't want necessarily want one of those companies to be involved because yeah, that, that could give somebody tactic. a bit more of a competitive advantage over others. Mm. Um, I wanted everyone to come in and see the spaces that we've got differently and just flip it all together. And you did that very well. It was yes. such a great job. night. We've so talked about it on the podcast yeah. already. So yeah. I was going to backtrack a few steps. So basically a venue showcase is something a venue puts on and invites kind of key stakeholders, potential clients mm -hmm. and shows them what the venue can do. So as Nadi mentioned, you know, a hotel will often set up what it would look like to have a wedding in there, what a conference would look like. Optus Stadium blew all of that out of the water. As soon as we arrived, there was like people on roller skates. Did they have food? I can't remember. Not outside. Not outside. No, no. yeah. But uh, all the way through. Yeah, all. Apart from that. So, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. how did you design, I guess, the flow of arrival to – because it's, again, mm. all you do is walk around Optus Stadium, but yeah. it actually didn't feel like a really long walking tour. That's what alcohol can do to people, which is great. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember now. <laughs> um, I wanted to showcase as many spaces as possible because, again, people don't know that we've got so many function rooms in there. Um, so I wanted people to go on a journey um, and really highlight our key spaces. So by starting people outside, and as you know, I was very um, deliberate in the messaging that I put out there. I said it wasn't a pop-in, pop-out showcase. Don't pop in at 7 and leave at 7.30 because you've got somewhere better to be. You're committing to it. If you want to be able to see what Optus Stadium can do, you have to be there on time. And I was really happy that everyone was out there and milling around and waiting. And we had the lead truck that Pav had provided um, with tunes and then they had the big follow me sign and then it drove slowly with the roller skaters accompanying everyone down. So it started that experience. And for us, the arrival experience to any function, whether it's a four-person boardroom meeting or a 2,000-person cocktail party, we have to consider the arrival experience because it is different at the stadium, you know, 
crown and a lot of the hotels have got those beautiful driveways that you can drop off right at the door and we don't have that so we wanted to engage with people on the way through and uh, have them being interacted with with noise and with color and with light and sound so um, we then as you know went up to the Skyview Lounge the rooftop terrace where Everyone got to see the most beautiful sunset. I could not have planned that better myself. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. So nice. All in a day's work, really. Um, good and job queuing up the sun. Thank mm. you. Thank you. I'm on good terms with the uh, the you know, weather people here. Um, we had some amazing food. We had some cool entertainment. It was a great rooftop space. And then we moved people down. And already people were like, oh, I thought that was it. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Strap in for the ride. Um, and then we did that progressive tour through um, one section of the ballroom, which was set up with light and LEDs and had this really cool DJ. Um, Claire, who we love. DJ, she's amazing. DJ. Yeah. Um, we had that incredible floating seafood station. Oh, with yeah. The, which is just a really cool effect with dry ice, but it looked Can like it was... Can we just stop there and talk about that for a minute? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favourite thing ever. That's what I think we've talked about before, but the dry ice... That, mm. Dry ice that just cascaded over all the food. The and world's then longest the grazing floor. platter. Yeah, that was in the next room. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, all the rooms just mixed up in my head because <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. Yeah, that we was went, epic as well. Was yeah. that your – who came up with that concept? That was So my chefs came up with those ideas. Wow. Um, or our chefs, as it were. Uh, they wanted to do something cool. And, again, you can have a canapé floating around and that's that's great. Everyone wants a, something to snack on. But to see something that people can then take away – uh, and do it at their event. You know, it's such a simple thing to do, dry ice, and yet it has such a magical effect. Food theatre. We love that Food here. Food theatre, exactly. But yeah, the long platter. Yeah, <laughs> the longest uh, grazing table I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the theming that Phenomenon did around it was just perfect. Yeah. Um, and we've already had one client uh, get close to recreating it um, on a smaller scale, and it's it's perfection. You know, you want the theatre. You want to be able to experience um, food, not just with your taste buds. You want to, you know, you want to experience the visuals of it. You want to be able to smell it and engage with it. And um, we did that very much in the section in the Riverview room that we did that big grazing board and then moving into the big dessert table that we did in the locker room in the warm-up space. Bring that the up. young lady upside down pouring the champagne. Exactly. Now, where can I get... Bubbles full of dry ice because that was cool. So that was a that was actually the only thing that we had to fly over from Melbourne. I had a feeling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn it. But 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 because it was so popular, um, our fantastic photo booth preferred supplier, which is a company called Vivid Media, mm -hmm. they've actually bought one, so you can oh, actually wow. have them now Ooh. in Perth, and it's not too expensive. I don't know what the you heard it here first. That's yeah. right. But yeah, the smoke bubbles were so exciting. So cool. It's very the cool. coolest thing I've seen in Perth. Thank you. <laughs> we almost ignored the dessert bar because we were distracted Too by the bubbles. with them, yeah. I said almost. <laughs> almost. almost. It's <laughs> got to be like something <laughs> really cool for me to ignore dessert. <laughs> but it almost happened. Yeah. Were there espresso martinis uh, in that space yeah. as well? There was all yeah. sorts of that, things going on. where my eyes <laughs> were at. <laughs> we wanted to do a real sensory assault, you know, get people thinking and looking and tasting and smelling. And there was all levels of interaction with that. And, you know, the cool lighting that we did in there as well, that's, you know, so... So simple. Everything that we did is actually really simple, but it's just about showing people what they can do. And that's, for my role, I think it, the most exciting thing is to take people through the stadium and paint them a picture of what is possible what there. could be. Yeah. 
And we're probably forgetting along the way to walking to one of these rooms, we had a um, specialised performance by Aladdin, by the cast of Aladdin, on the Oval. Yes. That was pretty special. That was very special. And a floating stage, wasn't it, out over the Oval? Yes. Well, it was, um, you know, I wanted to do that on the ground, naturally, because the whole point of the stadium is to play with the grass. (laughs) Not for everyone, but certainly for me. And we were still repatriating the turf after a concert, so um, we had to think differently. And again, that's what the stadium's all about, think a little bit differently. And so we built a stage in the seating bowl and elevated the performance and had it right in front of people, um, which was, it ended up being the best thing we could possibly have done. So, you know, the engagement with the production in the stadium and the lighting system, it was I still get chills every time I hear that song because the song wasn't from Aladdin. The song was from um, The Greatest Showman. Oh, that's right. I was yeah. like, was it This but, Is Me? But it was the Aladdin, this is Aladdin me. singers though, wasn't Aladdin it? Aladdin singers. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the cast of Aladdin um, and lots of Perth talent in terms of all the dancing schools that we engage with to get yeah. um, the 150 kids running around wearing white. <laughs> um, so disciplined those kids were. They were amazing. Um, but yes, the song we selected specifically as well was no, it was no coincidence that it was, this is me. And if you want to read into it, it was because I wanted to make sure that people knew that the stadium is different. This is us. We are different. We've got, you know, we've got amazing service, but it's fun. It's engaging. It's not, you know, all the buttons done up on your shirt and hello, sir. Yes. How are you this (laughs) evening? That's not what we are. We're a fun, dynamic, young venue and we hire people who are genuinely excited to work there. So we're not trying to compartmentalize our staff and make them, you know, fit into a box. We, we want people to be engaged. We want people to have a a great time and we wanted people and certainly my goal for the showcase was to for people to leave and just be walking out of the stadium and just walk to next to a stranger and be like, the hell was that? <laughs> I think we all did that. Yeah. After my phone ran out of battery because I was taking so many uh-huh. photos and videos. Yes, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good night. And quick question: Can you answer it? You can feel free to say no. Budget? I spent more than I was meant to, <laughs> 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 but I stand by what happened that night. And you only have one opportunity to make a good first impression. And whilst I should have done that showcase in February when we first opened, I'm glad that we waited till October. Mm. Um, I'm glad that people had, you know, heard or kind of maybe come through and seen or been at a function. And we we capitalised on the, the conversation to do with the stadium. And um, yes, I spent a lot of money, but I would do it again in a heartbeat because t- I still have people talking about it and the bookings that we've made as a result of that are amazing. And I do all the trade shows for the business and I'm in the East Coast quite a bit. And I was at a trade show in February this year in Melbourne and two girls came up to me and they're like, are you Nadia? And I'm like, sure I am. That's what the name <laughs> badge says. And they, they said, we heard that you did the most incredible showcase last year and we just wish that we organised interstate events because that looked cool. And I'm <laughs> like, I have no idea how you would have heard about it, but that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Mm. We probably told them. The power, yeah. the power of social media. I'm that's sure right. that it's because they were listening to the podcast. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, far our reach is. <laughs> but I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, social media is an incredibly powerful thing and people hear about what's happening overseas and then you've got completely different scenarios of examples of what not to do like the fire festival documentary <laughs> and oh, yes. and I know everyone's yeah. heads are in their hands right now but makes me feel good about myself it does <laughs> but you know it's it's through the content that gets pushed out from companies or venues or production agencies and uh 
it's because of that that people have got a better understanding of what's happening in the world now and that's that's great so if people have a better understanding of what's happening in Perth because of our little showcase which in the grand scheme of things isn't isn't the be all and end all but it is exciting to know that that might have an impact on tourism or business tourism and one of my core jobs is to attract interstate conferences and events over here so nailed it thanks thanks (laughs) (laughs) another quick question do people often ask for is there any sort of mode of transport other than walking? So if they're arriving and then they have to get to a room and it's right around Segways. Yes, yeah, segways, golf carts, those sorts of things. Do you get that question? We do. Um, and again, touching on what I said before about the fact that we don't have a driveway that, you know, you can have a door-to-door drop-off. It is something that we're exploring at the moment is doing something similar to that, which I won't talk about too much more because you never know. Who's listening? Who's listening? <laughs> um, but last, I want it to be a good surprise when it when it eventually happens. But we do have golf buggies, and I got to say, the guys who drive our do- golf buggies end up on so many people's Instagram feeds <laughs> because people love it. You know, they'll park their car or they'll get dropped off by an Uber, and the golf buggy will just be there. And it's the chirpiest guys from New Zealand who's like, "Hello, come aboard!" <laughs> and they're just like, "For me?" And it's you feel great. pretty special getting in a golf buggy. I don't know it's why. It's cool. It is very cool. So we recently launched a video which is essentially an ad for people to know how to get to the stadium on a non-major event day because we do get that feedback, as I mentioned before, that there's challenges with getting to the stadium. And there's also people assume that they can't get Ubers or taxis because that's been the the messaging for game day. So we, my department, which is the special events department, with tours and with the restaurants, we all... Um, collaborated on doing an ad and we just had some fun with it. So I was like, why don't we get a person riding a horse to the stadium? (laughs) Why don't we get a unicycle? So we've got a really fun ad out there now which shows that you can get a car, you can get – we use chauffeur, um, but you can get a private or a rideshare vehicle to to the stadium and there's loads of parking. People just don't know that there's loads of parking People tend to probably assume there's no parking. That's also because the messaging has been so good from the government. It's just like, there's no parking here. Leave your car at home. But there's actually, (laughs) it's about 1,400 car bays in and around the stadium. So it's perfect for exhibitions and conferences because you can book out a private car park and have free parking for you, yes. And you can't get that in the city. (laughs) So that's in the parking underneath the stadium? In and around. How many bays are underneath? I didn't know you could go underneath. There's a good couple of hundred bays just in the undercroft of the stadium. So that's where all of our staff park every day and that's where I often kick out our staff so that I can get my VIPs in. (laughs) So it's um there's a lot going on and people just don't know. Cool. So before we sign off, um I think for our listeners, from a venue point of view, what do you wish event managers or people booking a venue told you sort of a bit earlier on in the process rather than a week before the event going, oh, actually, I wanted this? Um, I think it all comes down to what the person who's organising the event's core job is because we deal with, as you would, um, you know, a, a an EA might get asked to organise events but they don't know how to organise events yep. or um, we work with an event management agency which are always really good because they live and breathe that. Um you know, I've got a procurement manager who is organising an event and it's it's challenging for our team because they don't know the right questions to ask their delegates to then pass on the message to us. And we can hold hand as much as we like, but um, it also comes down to 
whether or not that person actually has the the capabilities to think mm-hmm. about an event from a from a bird's eye view, essentially. But I think ultimately we just want to know what people's budgets are. <laughs> just tell us. It's you know people often think that if we're asking what's your budget, it's because if they say twenty thousand dollars, we'll come in at twenty thousand dollars on the dot. But we can create amazing things for all sorts of budgets, and it's just about you know, what do they say? Champagne taste on a beer budget or whatever it is, but you know. <laughs> Champagne taste on a water budget. <laughs> even, yeah, even worse. Even worse. Um, we just want transparency and we are, at the end of the day, we're trying to partner with our clients. It's our job and it's our responsibility to make them look good in front of their guests. So if they're not telling us the full story, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, and it's like walking around in a room with no lights on. You're, you're blind. So yeah, it wastes a lot of time, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I just think, just tell us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just tell us literally everything and then we'll work out what we need to know. Yeah. yeah. And we're really lucky because, um, you know, since we've opened, like I said, we're close to 600 events, but probably about 350 of those events have been with the same clients. So people wow. are coming back uh, again and again and again, which is really rewarding for us. So, um, that is the collaboration, that is the fact that we've got that attention to work on building a relationship with the clients and make sure that they go at the end of the night and their boss or their, their sponsor says, yes, that was worth it and I'm very happy because that makes us happy. Thank you so much, Nadia. That's all we've got time for today. Where can <laughs> people find you? Um, I'm all over LinkedIn. People can find me on LinkedIn at Nadia Rowan. Otherwise, Instagram, I'm on there as the Nadia Life um, because I think that the life that I'm living is is great and, you know, it's a cliche, but they say that you need to love what you do to not think of it as a job. And I, I love what I do and I think this stadium, this city, everything about what we're doing here is good and it's just a privilege to be a part of that. That shines oh. through. Mm-hmm. It does. Such a nice note to end on. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for coming in. We've had an awesome time. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for joining us in the green room. Yay. Thank you. All right. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, jump into our Facebook group, Behind the Clipboard Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. (laughs) 